Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Hi, my name is Kay. Today, we are going to read from a book by Dr. David Jeremiah called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Kay, let's start with the introduction because he has some pretty cool things to say. Why don't you start us out with that? All right, here we go. You're asleep in your bed when your alarm clock shocks you awake. You pick up your phone and you see the headlines filled with news of approaching thunderstorms, overnight killings, fires, stock market plunges, government scandals, and car wrecks. Instead of jumping out of bed, you pull the covers over your head. You know what a fearful world we live in, and you dread facing all the challenges of the day. But maybe your morning fears are not in the news. They're about your job. You live in a constant fear of getting caught in the downsizing trend, or you're apprehensive about a business deal that has your career on the line. Maybe your deepest fears lie at home. Can you meet this month's mortgage payments? Does your marriage seem shaky? Are your kids worrying you? After a recent service, At the church, I pastor at Southern California. A young soldier who had just returned from Afghanistan wept as he asked me to pray for him. He feared that he might be losing his family. Might, that's the word that's haunting him. Our greatest fear is the conditional might, the threat of what might happen. Fear trades in the market of possibility or even impossibility, for fear is the tyrant of the imagination. It imposes itself upon us from the shadows, from its hazy mirror of maybe. There's no question about it. We live in a world that is often a scary place to be. When we face these fears that prompt us to pull the covers over our heads and retreat from the world, What will we put our hope in? Will we exert our energy and wishful thinking, crossing our fingers that our circumstances will change? Will we hold our breath in the hope that luck will go our way this time? Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not a lucky chance. It's not ungrounded optimism. No, it's a rock-solid belief in the character of God. That's not to say we are guaranteed rose bushes without thorns or a life free of tragedy or disaster. But because we know that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and for us, we can face down our fears and trust the outcome of our circumstances to him. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The antidote to fear is faith. And faith gives us hope in the midst of whatever scary thing we face. When the Apostle Paul was giving counsel to Timothy, his young protege, he knew Timothy was afraid of something, probably of his assignment to lead the large church in Ephesus. Timothy was raised in a small town in Asia Minor, and Ephesus was the big city. Paul 
himself had spent three years in Ephesus building up the church there. It was led by a strong group of elders, yet false teachers were causing trouble. And Timothy was supposed to go in and be the leader of the whole thing. What young pastor wouldn't have felt fear at the prospect? So what did Paul tell Timothy? Your fear is not from God. What do come from God are power, love, and a stable mental attitude. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Paul knew that when we get God's perspective on the source of our fear, we can set aside what is not from him and embrace what is. In all my years of following Christ, studying the Bible and pastoring well-intentioned Christians, I have yet to find a fear for which God does not have an answer. And the reason is simple. God himself is the answer to all of our fears. Think about it. Fear is almost always based on the future. Sometimes we're afraid because we know what's coming in the future. But more commonly, we're afraid of what we don't know about the future. How true. We're afraid of what might happen. For instance, the Gallup organization asked 13 to 17-year-olds what they were most afraid of. In descending order, the top 10 fears of these teens were terrorist attacks, spiders, death being killed, not succeeding in life, being a failure, war, heights, crime, violence, being alone, the future, and a nuclear war. I think that about covers everything, doesn't it? it? Yeah. Wow. Notice that all of these fears are future focused and all are merely maybes. These teens may encounter none of them. Whether the future is just a minute from now, you're waiting on a doctor's diagnosis, or five years from now, you worry about having enough money for retirement. But what is the future to God? To him, the future is now. We live inside time while God, who made it, lives outside it. We know relatively little about the future, while God knows everything about it. All the events in our lives occur in two time frames, past and future. What about present? The present is a continuously fleeing moment that becomes past even before we can define it. God, on the other hand, has only one frame of reference, the eternal now, in which he sees and knows everything. That's why God is the answer to all of our fears. If God is good and loving, and he is, and if God is all-powerful, and he is, and if God has a purpose and a plan that include his children, and he does... And if we are his children, as I hope you are, then there's no reason to fear and every reason to hope for God is in control of everything. I love that, Kay, because it's so cool when these things happen and you just laugh and you look up and say, there you go, God, because it's amazing, totally crazy amazing No matter how fearful this situation or how bad it looks, he'll change it like that. You are his child. He loves you. All things work out for good to those who love him. And always remember that. 
because you have to remember you're fighting spiritual warfare and Satan will put these things in front of you and look like it's going to destroy you because he wants to destroy you. He wants to take your life. Don't ever feel that when you're so low in life and you think it's the end that you cannot go on, that you want to commit suicide. Don't do it because it's not real. What he puts in your head is not real. It's false. Totally. We just came. I forget. Remember the other day I said, Kay, everything looked wrong and it was nothing like it was supposed to be. What was that situation we were in? And I said, look what Satan did. Oh, you had a friend contact you because you got a text message and it wasn't what you thought it was. Uh, So Kay gets a text message and was really concerned about it. Yes. And here it was another family member who was saying these things and asking it, but it didn't come through that way to Kay. That's what he tries to do is it's a hot mess because he would love to get you depressed. He would love you to be down, and he would love to take your life. Don't do it. Yeah, or or would love to have you question. The love of God. uh, Well, the love of God. How about a friendship or a relationship or whatever? And I think that that's what I was trying to think of earlier, was that, that text message that came through, and I had an instant fear that came up within me, thinking, oh, dear father, what... Does what, she really believe what that? What is going on in my friend's mind? Where where did this come from? And yes, it was, it was misinterpreted in the text, which so many times it can be. Oh, yes. It can. And it looks you black know? and white, too. Yeah. Right? It did, right. And it's and, not. And it, her, it, was, it was a family member that yes. was saying this thing to her, and she was just repeating it to me because... She didn't know how to respond. She didn't know what to say to that. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. I know that's good theology and you probably believe it, but you still have fears and apprehensions and a hollow place in the pit of your stomach, either sometimes or all the time. The great author Edith Wharton once said that she didn't believe in ghosts, but she was afraid of them. (laughs) It's one thing to know something with the mind and another to believe it with the heart. How do you help a little child face her fear of the darkness? First, you appeal to the mind. You turn on the light and show her that there's nothing scary in the room. Then you help her attune her heart to what her mind has accepted. This is the process of faith for all of us. We accept that God is in control. And on that basis, we shift our burdens to his perfect shoulders. But what about our shaky future? Pessimism doesn't work because it's another form of mental enslavement. Optimism may have no basis in reality. The one way to walk with hope and confidence into an unknown future is to stake everything on the power and goodness and faithfulness of God. To understand why God is the answer to all our fears, we must understand what the Bible says about fear. And it says a lot. It tells us more than 300 times not to fear. Say that again. 
It tells us more than 300 times not to fear. Fear not is the most frequently repeated command. The word afraid occurs more than 200 times and fear more than 400. The less you think about our Bible heroes were fearless, more than 200 individuals in scripture are said to have been afraid. And not all these were the bad guys. Many were the main characters, David, Paul, Timothy, and others. Biblical heroes were regular people who had to learn the same things that you and I have to learn. To drive out fear by increasing their knowledge of God. To shift their focus from their present fear to their eternal hope. To replace what they didn't know about the future with what they did know about him. They had to put away childish things, being afraid of everything, and grow up in their faith and understanding. That is true. You have to just grow up. I wrote this book because I see fear as a real and present danger in the body of Christ. Many Christians are not living lives free of fear, and there can be serious consequences when hope is absent. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives, and I believe that includes those held captive by fear, Luke 4.18. He also says that truth is the key to freedom, John 8.32. And here is the truth. God is good, Psalm 119.68. God is love, 1 John 4.8 and verse 16. And God has a future filled with hope for his children. Read that. Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a future filled with hope for his children. God is a refuge and a fortress, a shield and a defender for those who trust in him. Psalm 91. For those reasons and more. You shall not be afraid by the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Psalms 91, 5 through 7. As you read this book, my prayers are that you will grow in your conviction that God is the answer to all your fears. That as you look to the future, you'll see nothing except his power and love guarding your every step and that you will find the truth that sets you free to live the hope-filled life God created you to enjoy. Amen, Miss Kay. Amen. We're going to stop there and next week we're going to open with hope in the midst of the storm. If you were to die today, where would you go? It's your choice.